Hello everybody, good evening, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cami Black. Um, we are going to try and be positive tonight, I hope. We shall see how that goes. Anyway, um, I'm joined this evening um, by John Anderson. Good evening, John. Good evening. And Ian here, Ian's back by popular demand. Dookie is very popular, so what's, thanks What's for the camping? Um, the, the I can't. The lighting round here is a nightmare. Um, what, what, what? My my lamp you, situation is not good. Do we need to spend some Patreon money on some on, on a nice bit of lighting for you? And... Uh, possibly, yeah. Just what, one of those big, big ring lamps that you could just have up above his uh, premium camera that he's got like, going here, like a halo. <laughs> yeah. This is a crappy camera. This is the unbuilt one. It's like, we we uh, make up kit as well just to take the shine off the cheeks. And... Uh, yeah. Oh no, See, was... just my natural glorious glow. He was all right when he when he was using Zoom. He was all right because he had the the touch up my appearance uh, function. Uh, I, I did a wee bit of vampire glow to him. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Um, did you see you... The, the the one comment on the um you know the Dan Leon interview was on YouTube. There's like yes. one comment on it, and it's just someone saying, "Here, mate, you need to sort your light out because it, lo- it looks like the light emanates out of your face." <laughs> like, <laughs> at the, the desk is at the bay window, and uh, the light just comes in, and could then because it's a crappy camera, it can't differentiate between natural light and artificial light. So it's... And also, Ian's a vampire, as we all know. <laughs> yes, that as well. Yeah, I haven't been outside much at all. With <laughs> No, nobody has. Nobody has. Thirty years. <laughs> anyway, hello to everybody who's watching us live. We're on YouTube, uh, Periscope, and um, Twitch as well. We've got uh, Funko Philly regular listener at the watch. Good. It says, "Gentlemen, how are we? We are very well." Phil. Um, Phil also left us a lovely review on <coughs> iTunes. So thank you very much, Phil. He says, "As a Welsh, uh, fantastic, insightful, brilliant. As a Welsh rugby fan." So I don't know. I think you know Phil might be uh, tuning in for different reasons tonight. He might oh, be get, trying I... to get a different kind of enjoyment out of this evening. Oh, we might leave a one-star review after tonight. <laughs> uh, we've also had a wonderful review from Adrian1971, uh, who said, Cammy and John offer really thoughtful and amusing analysis and insight into Scottish rugby. They're quite long podcasts, so I listen at one and a half speed, which means they sound like they sound drunk when you revert to normal speed. <laughs> That said, I'm pretty sure they were actually drunk uh, when comparing Johnny Gray's tackle state rate to effectiveness of different forms of contraception. <laughs> Stone cold sober. Stone cold yeah. sober when we've done that. Yeah. So thank you very much. Anybody who leaves us a review on uh, Apple, if you leave us a good one, we will read them out. Um, you Don't forget, you can sign up for our Patreon as well. If you go to patreon.com slash Scottish Rugby Podcast uh, for £3 a month, you can get access to ad-free versions of the podcast. If you don't like the long versions of the pot rambling versions we do, I do do an edited version where I cut out all the stuff at the start where we ramble on and talk about cats, caps and Ian being a vampire. <laughs> just focus on the rugby. It comes out about 40 minutes and the normal podcasts are about an hour and 45. So It's mainly stuff I'm not in that gets cut out. <laughs> that's it. That's it. I just go through <laughs> and I've got a wee again, thing that yeah, pulls it. All that stuff. Yep. So, yes, yeah, so you can also get those the little mini pods as well for £3 a month if you want those. Um, plus exclusive I'm a human content as well. <laughs> a human vuvu sailor. <laughs> is that something you just wanted to share with the group, Ian, or is that on a review somewhere? Uh, no, it's just that you can shut me up uh, if you want. Um, 
Carry on. Sorry, I'm just trying. <laughs> I'm just rambling. I turned nonsense. This is the stuff. I've got to go and cut this out, Ian. I do have to do work after this, you know. So um, it's just proving my point. <laughs> anyway, uh, we should also we we are brought to you in paid partnership with Manscaped, uh, who produce who are the best in male grooming products. So if you go to manscaped.com/slash/scottishrugby, you can get twenty percent off plus free shipping on any of their products. So they do aftershave. And they do ball deodorant, which smell exactly the same. So if you want a consistent smell throughout your body, then that's the way to go. Um, you can get um, trimmers for your intimate parts. You can get nose trimmers. Um, just because we're on lockdown and we're not seeing people doesn't mean that we can't make ourselves presentable for our loved ones indoors or even even the loved ones you may be sharing a romantic evening with over Zoom. Do you know, <laughs> the filters don't cover everything, do they, John, on Zoom? I'm, direct, I'm not directing that to you. For yeah, I know. That is, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very bold. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the touch up my appearance will not do enough. You do maybe as maybe just maybe not invest in a, an HD camera unless you've you've manscaped yourself. Ex- well, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So that that's what we're saying. Give yourself, treat yourself. Get a nice HD camera. You might need it for your work as well. And then obviously your your trim down below. Best of both worlds, actually. Yep. On we go. Anyway, on with some rugby. Eight minutes in, nine minutes in. What are we? Oh, three minutes. We've got a three-minute theme tune. We're not doing too bad oh, today. Yeah. People listen. said this bit lasts 14 minutes. I don't believe them. Um, anyway, there's been a bit of news before we get on to the main talking points of Scotland versus Wales. We'll try and put that off as long as we possibly can. <laughs> Sorry, Phil. Um, so Glasgow have actually signed some players, Ian and John. Mm-hmm. Um, so quite... Uh, from left field signings, I'd say. So we've got Jack Dempsey, the Australian back rower, played in the 2019 World Cup for Australia. I mean, that's, I guess it makes sense in terms of having someone available throughout the year, John, but it was maybe, I don't think anybody was expecting that. No, no. And I think that the, the, yeah, the general kind of consensus is that's a, that's a very big signing for Glasgow, actually. And it kind of goes against the types of signings we've been making. Uh, over the over the last few years, and there's kind of a feel that this maybe has a bit of the the Dave Rennies about it. That perhaps Dave has said to to Jack Dempsey, "Do you know what, son? You're not going to be in my reckoning for next year, next couple of years. Go away, get some experience. Glasgow's a great place for you to go. Go and enjoy yourself, and then we'll have a look at you uh, in a couple of years' time." Or Dave Rennies not being able to shift his house during lockdown in Glasgow. <laughs> And is renting it to Jack Dempsey. He said, "Who can I? Who can I persuade that Glasgow is a nice place to go and live and rent my house out to them? So I'm not paying my mortgage." That's. I mean, the cynic in me suggests that's uh, that might be accurate. <laughs> did you see? Actually, on that note, did you see when Big Petrus was leaving Glasgow and his house was up on uh, uh, was listed? What a beautiful house that was! By the that way, was a lovely house. Yeah, I mean, Saracens have got a lot to answer for. <laughs> And we'll move on before we get sued. Uh, Ian, you happy with that signing? Um, yeah, I, I don't know a lot about him, but I, I know that um, you know he has wallaby caps, and it's just uh, he's had a few injuries, injury issues, which is um, lowered his game time. But hell, it seems like you know you, know, you don't. Well, uh, what, what I've said, you know, you may have seen my tweet about how there was a lot of people complaining, why is there not a Scottish boy coming in? But the fact of the matter is, we're bringing in somebody who is already test match quality. Um, he's been at the World Cup. Uh, 
you know, he's clearly a good player and he won't be away during international stages. And that's mm. where we've been losing lots of points. We're getting horsed. Um, so, no, it looks like a pretty good signing as long as he can stay stay fit, which is probably, you know, smoothed the transition period. <coughs> the fact that the board has won't let him go. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, he, he's, he looks like the big ball carrier that we've all been crying for in the, in the back row, especially. As long as he hasn't. I mean, my only concern is that our previous Australian international yeah. import. Um, was, like, um, I, I did finish off the tweet by saying, as long as he doesn't make a frisbee of it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, don't yeah, think we'll, I don't think we'll see Jack passing from his knees. No, I was going to say, you, even if he does, even if he does, I mean, he's a big boy, like, so, I mean, even on his knees, he's probably taller than frisbee. Probably taller than the group. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> Straight into the breadbasket. So the um, the other signing, which has kind of been leaked today um, by the player himself, because he changed his location on Instagram, is a young player called Cole Forbes, who is I think was in. I, um, and I'll get this right. Um, Gary Heatley tonight has said he was an unused sub against Scotland in the last Under Twenties World Cup. We think he's Scottish qualified, John. I think someone's done some digging in possible. I mean, his surname's Forbes. He sounds like he's more Edinburgh than Glasgow, maybe, with a surname like that. But Yeah, well, I mean, we we believe that he might be Scottish qualified. Um, but certainly, um, yes, I mean, there's there's no... So there's no qualification. Like, thinking back to the Brandon Thompson issue, there's no qualification that he's had for New Zealand that's made him not eligible to represent us if he is qualified. Um, so, yeah, certainly comes under. He's a 21-year-old, um, 10-15-wing, depending which uh, which website you look at. Yeah, he's, num- he's ninth, the ninth best uh, fly half in the Mitre 10 Cup at the minute out of 19, Ian, according to Rugby Pass. I don't know how that, they don't. I don't think they update the stats anymore, but Glasgow is saying he's a full-back on their Twitter, or they're hinting they've signed a fullback, so I assume that's where they're going to be seeing him. Yeah, well, I think it was um, Rugby Vassar first five eighth, uh, or as we know, uh, standoff in, in Northern Hemisphere money. Um, yeah, but the Rugby Pass index, I, I just don't trust that at all because um, after uh, Scotland beat England, Johnny Gray went down. Um, <laughs> Are they still Gray actually updating it? Well, I, I thought I'm pretty sure it said like updated as of. What date was the Scotland England game? I think it, it updated the day after. So I don't know if anyone's actually inputting data or if they're just updating it like randomly. But he was um, <laughs> he was just the eleventh uh, best uh, international lock in the world, and he'd gone. He'd lost points for his performance against England. So I don't really trust it. Um, they also did the, the ratings for that rugby twenty game I had, which had. Adam Gilchrist and Adam Hastings as Scotland's best players. Grant uh, the, Gilchrist, the, not not Adam, surely. Yeah. Was that yeah, probably yeah. how he was probably how he was named in the game though? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what he looked like. Yeah, oh, did, uh, yeah. Nick Gregg looked like a stocky Matt. Um, no, Matt Scott looked like a stocky Nick Gregg. Sorry, taller Nick Gregg. It was nice. ridiculous. Um, there's some very strange. I can't remember what they are. Some people will be able to to tell me. But there's um, yeah, there are some very strange uh, players on that game. Yeah, there's a lot of licensing issues, um, as is the way 
So that's why yeah. that's why Pichu might have had a point about the whole. Yeah, if you thing. go the other way and go for the rugby challenge games, which are better games, just saying, the they don't have any of the licenses apart from England, New Zealand, and Australia. So it gets a bit interesting. Um, it's, well, it's pro Evo esque. I I wasted so much of my life going through um, pro Evo. Changing everybody's name. I think all that time, what I could have done with my with the, that and championship managers, two thousand, two thousand and one. I got the option file to update it, and it only takes fifteen minutes. But I just can't be bored. I, it's like, I, know, I know who most. I know who the team's meant to be. Option files. Care. Look at look at you with options files. Back in my day, when, uh, before well, option files, well. you had to go and manually change names. Um, um, uh, one of my mates made me. You, John, you've seen them. My 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 pro evil custom football tops. I have, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Um, I knew Phil would be. I knew Twitch would be good for this. And Phil's on Twitch. He said Gavin Henson looks like a ball selector character in Rugby Challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Might try and see if I can find evidence of that as the evening goes on. Um, a bit of the other side of uh, Scotland. Then we've got a bit of news. Uh, Jack Blaine has extended his contract. Uh, and he's been uh, quite a good, okay, a good youngster that's kind of made his mark. I think for Edinburgh, kind of shown a lot of promise. Ian, uh, yeah, the couple of times I've done match sports on Edinburgh, he's been, especially as one of the younger players, uh, one that's definitely stood out. Uh, scored a very good try against Ulster uh, to bring Edinburgh back into the game. Uh, cut a lovely line coming in from fullback. Um, so yeah, uh, a very promising talent for the the outside backs. Um, going forward, as they say, uh, and certainly one that will keep Blair King on on his toes. Um, yeah. And with Duhan away, you know, might give him more opportunities. And then, John, the other bit of news that you were, you were very excited about is that Mini Murrayfield's been finished, <laughs> which which resulted in you posting a picture of a tent into our group chat. A £45 gazebo from Blacks, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, our, our editor-in-chief may have suggested he was looking for images of the new Mini Murrayfield um, for for various reports and stuff, and I, I duly obliged my uh, artistic take on it. Uh, yes, no, I mean, it's good, it's good. Um, it's peak Edinburgh, though, isn't it? Finish a new stadium just in time for no fans being allowed anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, but... I, Alan, Alan Dimmick was suggesting we need to try and get names for it. Oh, excellent. This sounds perfect. So, I don't mm. know. We'll have to try and think of... So I, I thought the Brendan Lacey Thunderdome was the... Brendan Laney, <laughs> the Brendan Laney Thunderdome was <laughs> the first thing that came to mind. The Coliseum of Chunk. Oh, that's a good... The Chunk Coliseum. Can I like we base, that a lot, base it on, on sort of Mario Kart... Um, Mario Kart levels, and we can try and come up with some some uh, stuff like that. Yeah. So if you've got any suggestions for the names for Mini Murrayfield, then get in touch. Oh, uh, Acid Casual that's, on says Dan Park. That's very good. Yes. That is, that is yes. Okay, I think we should go further and call it Dan Park Park. Dan Park Park. <laughs> um, park Minifield. Park. Alan, Alan McDonald says Minifield. So very good. Um, I'm just before I'm going to try and see if I can do this now. So apologies to anybody. I'm going to share, share screen because I found the. Um, I have found 
The Henson. The Henson one. So where is it? Here we go. See if I can share this. There's Gavin Henson on Rugby Challenge. Can you see that? <laughs> it's quite upsetting. <laughs> Who's he beside? I don't know. It's, the arms more than anything. It's, it's incredibly upsetting. So that's a little treat for our... Um, that's a little treat for... Um, um, Kirsten Cooper does ask does that mean Murrayfield Wanderers have to find a new pitch I believe they've already had to find a new pitch I don't know if there's going to be some sort of agreement but they've been playing elsewhere is my understanding anyway and there's a bit of a hoo-ha about that when many many field was announced but I think they've they've managed to find a um, find, find another place um, let's talk about Wales Scotland then let's get round to it let's get on to it the big news today is that Xander <laughs> Ferguson and we'll get this out of the way now because it's going to be the big talking point and it's everybody's hands in the ruck. Xander Ferguson's been banned for four games um, following the disciplinary hearing. The reason why he's been banned for longer than Peter Romani is because he pleaded, well, he essentially pleaded not guilty to a red card offence. He accepted that he'd committed an offence but wasn't red cardable. So, but although he showed remorse, he didn't accept he was guilty of a red card offence, so they can't reduce it as much as somebody who does admit that it's a red card offence. It can be reduced by 50%. Um, it's a mid-entry point. It's automatically mid-entry because it's head contact, although the, char- the um, charge was charging into a ruck. Because it's head contact, it has to be mid-entry, so it has to be six weeks, although, and we'll come on to this, so all the rules I could find said it's four weeks, so it's obviously changed at some point, but there's nothing on the World Rugby website about it. John, do you, let's start at the beginning. Was it a, For you, was it a red card? Um, yes. By the letter of the law, yes. The mitigating circumstances were minimal enough that you, you, can, see, you can see the debate, right? But Unfortunately, in the climate we're in just now, it's contact with the head. It's it's going to be red, and not, you know whether we agree, whether we agree. You know, we're all for player safety. We've talked about it so much in this podcast, and we need players to stop doing that. Um, so the only way you're going to change that behaviour is by maximum punishment. You can see his point. You know, he is coming into a ruck. He's trying to get low. The person is dipping at the same time, and then there is contact with the head. But by the letter of the law, it's red now. Yeah. I think the other thing was interesting. When I watched it back yesterday, he I, I, he's made an error anyway because I don't think he's in the right position on the pitch because it's Stuart Hogg and Ali Price. I can't remember who's carried the ball in. Someone's carried the ball, and then Stuart Hogg is the only player trying to take um, Win Jones off the ball, and so Ferguson has to come in at speed to clear him out. But actually, he, Ian, I think he probably should have been a lot closer to the rock anyway, so that he didn't have to come charging in because there was no other forwards there. Yeah, but you can't. I suppose you can't just solely blame him for it. Um... Well, some, whether it was his job or some, somebody should have been. Yeah. Another, four, you can't have three, you can't have three backs competing at a ruck. Mm. Um, but then, I mean, how how far away has it been? Like from what I've just, I've, I've done a sort of head to head just recently there, and it, I mean, Omani's got a bit more of a run up for me, I think. 
Um, <coughs> and there is, I mean, it's just more the fact that well, I don't know if this is encroaching on hands and rock, um, or it's, it's I'm hands and rocking my own hands and rock. Uh, there are the fact that um, Matt Carley said there was no mitigating factors when there there is. You look at the Omani one. The fact is, uh, it's Thomas Francis is kind of sitting up in the rock. Uh, he's face on to Omani. Omani can see that as he hits him. Um, and for me, I think the the contact by Omani is more direct to uh, to Win Jones. Like a couple of times, we're not sure because I was like I was doing a online watch on with it. Um, I'm peering over the top of my laptop and I'm like, is it, was it like completely direct contact with, with the chin? He's hit his chin, but it's not as hard as Omani's. No, I mean he, he he's making an attempt to get underneath the player to lift him up off the ruck, but as John said, he hits his head, and I think even if it's head on head, it's not that's that's an automatic red card, and I think the problem is, and I can see why people get upset, is that happens like a dozen or more times every game and doesn't get pinged. It's just he's been, he's been caught, and I think the problem is when you charge into a ruck, you, you're asking to be caught. Whereas if you don't charge into a ruck and you clear somebody out like that, you're probably not going to get caught because no one's no one's seen it and gone, "What's going on there?" Then I think I think even probably Hamish Watson caught Alan Wynne Jones earlier in the game, but he hadn't charged into the ruck. But he had, I think there was head on head contact. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think you're absolutely right. It's it's almost. The fact he's such a big lad as well, you know, he's a big rampaging prop forwards coming, smashing into the ruck from quite, you know, it is quite a distance he comes in at and he is travelling at a fair rate of knots when he does make contact. There's a perfectly valid argument to say that, like, we shouldn't be rucking like that anyway. <laughs> you know, if we were actually just following the laws in the, in the current state, nobody should be torpedoing into rucks uh, and whether contact with head or not it shouldn't actually matter but that's the kind of spectacle that world rugby have allowed to happen and they're now reaping the rewards of that because they've got huge huge issues with concussion and they're having to penalize players massively for for these incidents i i think i think it's wrong to compare the fagerson and the omahani one i think the the Fagerson one was much more innocent in the, as you rightly say, he's trying to come in, he's trying to clear out. He's not deliberately setting out to to smash the person in the head. I think the other gentleman in question might have been doing that because he has previous on that, whether the disciplinary committee want to acknowledge that or not. Um, but until we, yeah, I mean, we're just in, we're in a situation now where contact with the head should should and will be read. That's that's yeah. just where we are, and you know it's unfortunate. I think the difficulty is that even if we are accepting of, that it's a red, is that we don't have the judgment of either the Peter Romani or the Xander Ferguson hearings to understand the decision making process that went on to to be able to compare it. Because all we have is a press release that says Scottish Rugby Union said you know contested that it was even a red card and that he showed, he, he apologised. There's something in the Peter Romani press release that says that there was off-field mitigating factors which can be taken into account. I think that's that his wife's pregnant, so he wasn't <sighs> thinking straight. 
you know, and there's obviously there's going to be loads of stuff that are thrown in at these hearings. And I don't understand why it can't be if there's personal information like that that someone doesn't want getting out, then redact it. But the rest of it, the rest, how have they applied the framework? How have they looked at whether it's middle entry? What what arguments have both sides put in? Otherwise, all we're left with is comparing the Peter Romani and the Xander Ferguson one. Whereas that's not what the disciplinary committee are doing. They're not sat there going, "Well, it wasn't." It's not like they've got a kind of a color chart of this is bad and this is okay, <laughs> and they're kind of like holding it, holding the footage up to one another. They have to consider everyone on its circumstances. So they're not sat there going, "Was it was it as bad or was it better than Peter Romani's?" They're just saying, "What what what happened here and what's the sanction?" Ian, I mean, it's, do you think it'd be easier to understand if we had the judgments? Yeah, well, that's what I was wondering. Um, have you mentioned there uh, off-field mitigating circumstances? What the, what's that going? That should not come into it in any way whatsoever. Uh, I, I don't know why that's. It's in. It is. It's a thing. It's in. It's in the. It's in the regs. Well, I'd say, I'd say more that. Well, how about? There's an on-field mitigating circumstance. Uh, you can't have that as well. You can have that as well. Right. You can well, have on and off-field mitigating circumstances. What, uh, well, outside of the incident itself, what about when when Sandfrakeson had been pinged a couple of times? So he might have been a wee bit annoyed about that. And also, he was um, he was the closest witness to Liam Williams leading into James Lang with a forearm mm-hmm. and then having a second go at him with an elbow. Um, which the referee and touch judges refuse, and TMO refuse to look at. Yeah, um, and it's not. And and he's not been cited either. I don't think. Yeah, um, and I think it's. I mean, it's, it's pretty blatant. I, I just saw the first thing I saw was more the sort of the afters where he tried to put the elbow in. But when you look at his his running angle, he leads with the forearm at James Lang's face. Um, it's it definitely should have been reviewed, and. I mean, considering Liam Williams is just back from a three-week ban, uh, a three-week ban, which was for the same reason that Xander Fagerson's got four weeks, uh, and you heard Liam Williams as he's walked off it, what are we playing touch now, is it? And then swore at another referee as he walked off, saying this is an effing joke, apparently. Uh, somebody said they heard this on S4C's pickup. I didn't hear it myself on Prem. Um but then because he goes and says, oh, no, yeah, I agree, it was a red card. I'm really sorry about that. He gets three weeks, whereas Xander gets four weeks because he went, I'm not sure if mine was. Whereas yeah. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's, there's potential for another charge against Lee Williams for what he said to the referee as he walked off. Yeah, I think the difficulty for me is this is this is the whole. I've seen someone saying that it's it's based on the naval courts. I think at the very least it's based on the civil courts and balance of probabilities, and you've got barristers and former players in there making their judgments. I, I think for me, probably it needs to be removed from being aligned to a judicial system. I think you can you can this idea that you come in and you plead guilty and you get fifty percent off the tariff that you should it should be. A, a bit more clear cut and a bit more transparent. So I just said I would I would quote tweet this guy before. Uh, sorry, I interrupt John, but uh, this guy Brian McLeish who replied to my uh, tweet. Uh, he says, creating a situation where you get a reduced penalty for admitting your guilt is judicial coercion. Yeah. Yeah. It's the fact is we've got a running joke now in rugby 
<laughs> regarding the biscuits. The whole system, the whole judicial system is a complete and utter farce. And when you're saying about would it make it better if we knew what they were actually talking about, are you suggesting transparency, Cammy? Are you yeah, suggesting I mean, world rugby is transparent? My goodness, surely not. We've got Martin Bell in the comments. Says the process is wrong. Contact with the head should get the same punishment, no matter what. Off-field mitigating circumstances makes even more of a mockery of the current process. And it's hard. I mean, it's hard to disagree with it. I mean, like yeah. you know that somebody else put, said, you know, was saying to me today that you know with hashtag rugby values, you shouldn't be trying to game the system. But that's 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 exactly what a good sports barrister will do. They're, they're all about gaming the system. It's trying to work out what's... I mean, even the SRU with pleading it's that, that it wasn't a red card were trying to game the system because if they'd gone in and said, we accept it's a red, they have to accept it's middle entry, 50% off three weeks. So the only way they're going to get Xander to play any further part is to go in and say it wasn't a red card in the first place. Yep. So it, it, it's, it's just massively open to gaming the system. And people coming in and, and you know, the, that's what barristers and solicitors and lawyers do. That's it's all a, you know, it's about trying to get the, you know, the best outcome for your client, isn't it? And that's playing a game. Like uh, Phil's coming with a comment saying, Owen Farrell and his charity work, the system's completely messed. And I agree with, you know, what's someone donating the donkey sanctuary got anything to do with whether or not you smash someone in the head or not? It's especially as it's Nigel Ray doing it. <laughs> <laughs> It's somebody else's paying money to charity on my behalf <laughs> for tax purposes. I'm going to get us sued tonight, guys. Sorry. <laughs> so when when like Farrell and Omani got their um, sentence reduced for good disciplinary records, right? They might not have been sent off, but they've you know they've been cited a few times. It's like obviously they're close to border. They're, they're close to the line as it is. Um, yeah. Some of them, you've looked at them and gone, how have you not been saying? Um, but hey, that's how it is. I mean, Zander's never been red card, has he? No. Um, we've got a comment from Christian Cooper, and this is something Rory posted on Twitter this week. It says, in what circumstances does a player get sent off for an HIA? If a prop four torpedoes into a ruck, hits a man on the head and gets a red card, should the other player not get a head assessment? At the end of the day, it's the whole reason for player safety. Sounds like the punishment's more important than the possible damage caused. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people talking about that. I mean, I, I was on the Rock and Roll podcast on Monday night, and we were we were talking about this. And I don't I think even if if Win Jones hasn't shown any signs of concussion, you almost really what they should do is is almost kind of introduce like a pitch side check for players like that. And I'm sure he would have had. I'm sure he would have had that kind of the doctor would have given him once over and checked he was okay. Once they've seen it on the big screen, he's had a head knock, but. You almost want to say, well, you need two minutes at the site. You can bring someone on for five minutes. You don't have to go and do the full HIA down the tunnel thing. But there's been an, we've clearly seen a glance on the head. You're going to have to spend at least five minutes just just double checking that you don't need to go off down the tunnel for an HIA. You need almost something in between. Yeah. So he's not showing any signs. He doesn't have to go off for 10 minutes for the full staring at a computer screen given base level tests. But he does need to just double check he's all right because we've just seen him get hit in the head. Well, that's, that seems that's- That seems fair. How much? How much work do? No, you're absolutely right, and I think that could even be extended as far as to say that, you know, how many incidents have we seen where a player has had a had had a bump or had a head knock, or uh, and just because they're able to get up and shake it off, and you know, no, they're not showing any signs, they play on, and then you know, then you hear afterwards actually, all oh, right, they're out with concussion now, a couple of weeks down the line. 
the TMO has got so we we are in a privileged position in rugby and we have a TMO system that like it or not is now very quick to pick up or should be quick to pick up most things there should be much more communication between the TMO and the various coaches and, and medical teams if there's any sign of a head knock or any sign of someone taking so much as a bump on their head as you rightly say there should be a, a, a two three five minute swap that can be done just to kind of check them over and that should be unlimited it should you know we don't want players playing on with potential concussion this is the whole point of this whole framework and everything we're trying to do in rugby so we need to progress with that as well yeah i think that 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 seems fair um is there anything more we want to see on xander ferguson's suspension other than justice for justin for justice for zandbags well, I, I don't think he maybe went, and I was a bit concerned he had went into the disciplinary hearing and like zanbagged them, and that's why he got four. <laughs> you can't do it over Zoom. It must have been on Zoom or Teams or something. I just got grabby screen and. <laughs> so just to add to um, what John was saying about you know, maybe a five minute substitution, um, there are uh, like pitch side saliva tests you can do apparently to mm. test concussion. So why aren't they more widely used? I believe there uh, been trials were definitely had trialed them a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, but yeah, Bristol, and, Bristol and Newcastle were using them this season. Um, yeah. Apparently we don't trust Harlequins with stuff in their mouths. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, what, what's your I, I don't know if this is maybe going to come up later but um, Super Rugby Australia they're going to trail the twenty-minute like red cards. Then you can bring someone on. That's a stupid idea. Can I just put? That it? I, I can come. Yes, it's a. So what do you get? This is it, but the, it's not just for red cards, though, is it? It's for. Yeah, that's for red cards. Is it well, just red well, cards? You can't challenge any other call because I was going to say is that it's in the last ten minutes and first ten minutes, isn't it? And then. So I think it's for certain offences in the last the, the last ten minutes no, no, of the game. A, you're, you're talking about goal. the captain's challenge. Yeah. No, oh, this no. is the, the twenty yeah. minutes. So a, a red card results and a person goes off for twenty, oh, for 20 minutes. Twenty minutes. Then, minutes, then, then you can bring on a sub. Right. Stupid. That's stupid. Captain's yeah, call. Goals. Totally agree with. That. Yeah. I think that's a great show. Like, they've had that in tennis and cricket now for ages. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, um, adds a new dimension, doesn't it? As well, because I mean, like. Well, for example, like, Xander could have been, uh, let's say if it's an orange card where the ref's like, look, you're kind of at the bottom end of the framework. We'll take you off for 20 minutes and then, especially if it's like a, a position like that, because because of the injury Scotland had, you know, we ended up with Cummings in the back row. Because um, mind me and you and John had talked about this. When the, I think this is when you were moving his cami. Um, <laughs> about who could potentially move into the back row. <laughs> And it, lo and behold, it was Scott Cummings. Um, there you go. So we called it. <laughs> Influencers. But the, I mean, the captain's call is an interesting one because actually Stuart Hogg was trying to do it at the end of the game. We, we'll, we'll work in a way. We'll, let's talk about how the game ended yeah. now because it seems like a good time to talk about it. You've got that, that. Chris, a lot of people have talked about Chris Harris and he's over the ball. And I understand why Hogg's calling for it. My feeling is that Matt Carley made the right call because Chris Harris is one of his arms is is round the back of the player on the deck and the other arms over, and he eventually manages to shift it over. 
to have two hands there. And I think that's that's what Matt Carley's seeing. He's only seeing a player over the another player almost holding him to the ground. I don't he's not got a clear shot of someone doing a clean jackal. Yes, but how many calls did he make where he's given penalties yeah, for that exact reason through the game? You know, it's it's ultimately down to that consistency element, and I, I agree with you, right? For for what it's worth, I think I think I don't think it is necessarily a penalty, and I don't think um, it really frustrates me when players get away with that just now. It's we're trying to make the breakdown cleaner, we're trying to make the game more entertaining, but we're allowing. Like you're hearing referees saying you're you're on the man, not the ball, and and it's like, well, yeah, absolutely. That ugh, why why is that even a debate? <laughs> why why is hugging a man on the ground nowhere near the ball being given as a penalty by people? It's silly. So yeah, I think I agree with you. I don't think it is a penalty, but if he hadn't given them through the game, mm. we would be sitting here going, well, at least he was consistent. Yeah. Ian, how did you feel about what what was your view on that, the way the match ended? Um, well, the main thing is that, I mean, as, as I was watching it and you saw Duhan's pass going, you're like, oh no, Hogg's knocked it on, but it wasn't Hogg, it was Lee Williams. And then, has he taken Hogg off the ball? He, he pretty much has. Um, and that is one of those sort of agonising situations where you would hope that somebody could see that it wasn't actually a Scotland player that did did they play on or did they just? Oh, I think it was advantage. He played on. He shout, it, no, it he shouted. Was. No, it wasn't advantage to us. I watched it back. He shouts that he Matt Carley shouts it's gone backwards. Right. Um, yeah. So I think with when Harris hits the break, then he's his knee maybe go he maybe off his feet for half a second. But like you said, you know, it's there's lots of times you see he's not seen. Um, but did I mean what was what do you guys think about did Williams stop Hogg from getting there? Well, Brody uh, Duncan says that was the Lewis Williams tackle off the ball, and Stuart Hogg was more was the more obviously a penalty. Yeah, and I think that's it. I think the the problem for me is I can't get that annoyed about it because we we shouldn't we shouldn't have been in that position at the end of the game anyway, and that's what it comes down to when you look at it. It's all very well getting angry about the fact that we maybe had a couple of penalty calls right at the death and you know the way Finn Russell was going he probably he, he probably would have knocked it over but to be 17-3 up and almost at the end of the first half and then to let Wales back into the game in the way that we did even before Xander Ferguson's red card is to me is utterly criminal John yeah have to have to agree. We've we've been so quick. To, we were so quick to dish out praise to Scotland when Ian's just sent sent peace to us. Uh, we were so quick to dish out praise to Scotland when they managed the game against England well. Um, the opposite has to be said this time round. It was utterly. It was like they got to a point thirty five minutes in and thought, you know what, we've got this one. We've got this one. We've got this in the bag, and they switched off, and it was really, really poor. Yeah, um, and and Wales they punished them, and like you said, even before people are saying Xander Ferguson's sending off cost us the game. No, it didn't. We were by the balance of things, we were second best at that point anyway, and the probability would have been Wales would have went on to win that because we were poor. I don't think it's good. I mean, I I, I would. I'm not sure I agree with that they would have gone on to win it, 
but I do I do think that that was within our the, the whole game was within our control to win. And it's that thing. It was seventeen three, and and everybody almost to a man switched off when yeah. you know at the restart, and then you get the Wales try, and everyone's. It just wasn't the, the you know Scotland lack that ruthlessness, and we always have done. I think that's what I was annoyed. I tweeted at the end of the game that you know anybody who says we we've learned a lesson can get in the sea, and what I meant, I just it kind of. It was, as Brodie Duncan saying in the comments, you know, it felt like the Scotland team started to coast. And I think that's probably the right word for it, Ian, almost, is it that, you know, I, I bet a, a, a higher class team would have absolutely put Wales to the sword. Scott, it was Scotland letting them back into it rather than Wales letting them back in or fighting their way back in, rather. Yeah, it would have been like... Um... I don't know if you've ever seen the film History of Violence, but when Viggo Mortensen stamped on someone's neck, it would have been like that. That's you know they would have just been very visceral. <laughs> I mean, if you if you've ever seen it, it is very visceral. Um, but no, uh, you know we I mean the opening five minutes. That's when I think that's when Scotland started to worry because Wales had that pressure and they kept on getting penalties. I think they won three or four penalties within the first twenty minutes, and um, three within the first ten, possibly even as well. Um, they only came in with three points, and then, but then after that, you know, dominated for long periods. But then, just those ten minutes, even five minutes before the end of the first half, ten minutes after that, is that's when it absolutely killed us because we didn't maintain discipline. Uh, I don't want to preempt Al McDonald's suggestion about um, the big bearded man that came on. Um, <laughs> we can cover it now, just, but yeah, I mean, yeah. There, there was definitely a draw. I think when you know, it must have been hard because I think Blade Thompson was kind of cited as being the big lineup operator that was good, and that's the reason he'd been picked. So it's quite hard, it must be quite hard to adapt to someone going off that early in a game, and that may that obviously had an impact on Scotland's lineup going forward. And Gary Graham, you know, came on in it and gave away three penalties. You know, I think Xander Ferguson gave away three, but two of those are in the scrum. But to give three penalties away in open play for one player is pretty poor. Yeah, you would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you want your back row to be to be kind of making a nuisance of themselves. But in a game like that, particularly when you know you're talking about all the build up to the game, all we've been talking about is right. Don't give away penalties. Wales will kick penalties from everywhere. They've got you know two two very good goal kickers. Let's not give away penalties, uh, and then to come on and a couple of the, with with Gary Graham in particular, a couple of them were pretty brain dead, and that's what really frustrates me. You know, you, the lack of because again, compare it to the the Calcutta Cup, there was there was intelligence, there was there was they were taking rugby risks that were sensible. You know, they were they knew when to compete, they were trying, they knew when to lay way back, and this is something that and maybe maybe it's worth talking about now. Uh, people have obviously had a, a wee dig at Matt Carley um, as, as a referee for, for various reasons, but this is not the first time that we've come up against him and not been able to adjust to his interpretation of the game. Mm. And I mean, it's no, it should be no surprise to us how he's going to referee the game because we had it against Ireland previously and the same things happened. We, we were pinged for the same things. So, 
someone somewhere hasn't done their homework, uh, which which is concerning. Yeah, and Alan McDonald saying that Gary Graham and um, Matt Ferguson in particular seem to struggle to keep the aggression at the rolling boil needed to maintain play without boiling into penalties. Um, so it was, yeah, it was it was a, a, a it was a really strange game actually. You know, a couple of people have commented saying it was. It's not the kind of game that we've been involved with as Scotland before in the Six Nations, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a strange sensation to be part of it, Ian, to be part of a kind of 24-25 thriller, because normally we, you know, another another team just plays poorly and we get lucky on the day. Um so you know, it's not it's not all bad because you know we're 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 more competitive, people are expecting more of us. We're yeah, we're in these games till the end. But have we not been saying that for a uh, like have have we not learned from these games? Has <laughs> has um, what annoyed you? Um, we, we keep getting involved in these kind of tobaccos, and we have done for you know the odds spanking aside, like sixty one twenty one. I'd actually rather watch the England sixty one twenty one than that one again today. Because um, that was I- we we. Shot ourselves. If, like, if we think about the Australia World Cup quarterfinal, we were—I wouldn't say lucky, but we were—we were like Wales at the weekend. We we took mm. our chances when we had them, yeah. and that's what's happened to us. We've we've—I wouldn't say we've completely outplayed Wales, but for large sex match, we have done. I think you can say we completely outplayed them because in every single measurable metric, we completely outplayed them in that match. I mean, you know, Scotland made ninety-five percent. Well, part the line, I think they had a better line-out, but um... the line-out defence was poor. It was not the line-out as such. There was one where Turner threw in, like um, Alan when Jones didn't even have to get off the floor to slap it back. Um, yeah, I, th- I actually thought the. Some people have complained about the tactical change at the end. I thought it was quite clever to have both, to have all Cummings and the Grey Boys on, mm. because when it comes to a line-out, you are very unlikely to beat them, especially with the Wales only had really Win Jones, Alan Wynne Jones and uh, Adam Beard, because Aaron Wainwright's not at all fouled out, he's a bit dodgy. Um, you, know, you know he's going to break at some point, so I actually thought it was the right call to do. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. I felt sorry for Darcy Graham going off because he'd had an absolute stormer of a game kind of coming into that. And it's a shame. He's, he's, not, he's not played a lot recently, so he's probably going to start. He's probably, he probably would have, he would have come off anyway, I think. But the, yeah, I thought that it made sense to have, to keep it in the forwards and it paid off. You know, Stuart Hogg got the try from the batter in the line and, and putting the Welsh scrum under pressure. And, Actually, you know, in the, in the to, it worked in terms of maintaining possession for the, you know it's twelve minutes when Scotland pretty much had the last twelve minutes of the game. Scotland had pretty much all the possession, and just working it through the phases and trying to find little gaps in the Welsh defence, and they were opening up. And even that, you know, people have talked about that Ali kick, Ali Price kick to nothing late in the game. But actually, watching that back, there's space between um, Liam Williams and Lewis Rees-Samet there, and he found it but he just didn't get the bounce of the ball. That ball kicks on and it goes straight into touch and all of a sudden you're in with... Screwing his face up. Yeah, it's because you, you broke 
you, I broke, yeah, did I? You, you oh, went all robot there for a sec. Ah, and also dear. the price, the price kick. I mean, it wasn't as bad as the one at the the squall, the England Scotland squall uh, at Murrayfield yeah. last year when he did one uh, with like I think there was forty seconds left, and I was sitting beside Hugh Dan McClellan at the time. You know, he was being name dropping. Oh, <laughs> oh. I had Gav Harper on the left as well, but you know he's not as important. <laughs> <laughs> I do hope Gav is watching live. Um, <laughs> no, but I like I I swore a lip a bit, uh, and Hugh Dan was also not too pleased with Ali's choice at that kick. Um, obviously, not as sweary as me, uh, but it's, it's like twice in two very close knit games. It's like. Is that really the right call, especially when you've got that momentum going? We well, wonder where the call is coming from as well. And like, yeah. so to 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 Cammy's Cammy's point, right? You put that th- kick through, and on a on a dry day, on a dry track, that bounces and maybe goes into touch, and then you've got all your line out operators. You know the point you've made about having three very very good line out locks on the park at that point you know you've got a great opportunity to challenge a Welsh line out which generally hasn't been that good but the pitch was soaking and no kick had kicked on all day mm. so you know there may be oh, right oh, look, heat at the moment these guys are these guys are paid paid lots of money to make the right decisions was it the right decision evidently the outcome says no but you can understand what he's trying to do yeah, I get that. And I think the other thing is that at that point, Scotland were kind of going between their 10-metre and the Welsh 10-metre line either side of the halfway line. They weren't exactly going forward. But then you see with the very last moment of the match, you know, Finn Russell does that offload in the wide channel where it looks like there's hee-haw threat. But the fact that he can take out two or three men with one that one flip. Yeah. Ali should know that he's capable of doing that, especially that close to the, yeah. the wheels line. Um, yeah, wrong choice, but I can see what he was doing. It wasn't as it wasn't as daft a kick, I think, as it looked at the time. Well, you know, because I wasn't I think at the time I wondered what he was doing and watching it back, I understood what he was trying to do. But like you were saying, John, maybe outcome says no, but you can yeah. understand what he's aiming for. That's what that's what we've said so many times on here that were. Like, try and understand what he was trying to do. Right, yeah, the outcome, it hasn't worked, right? Fair enough. But if it did work, that ball bounces up, goes an awkward way, we get a Welsh knock-on, or bobbles into touch and we secure the line out, then he's a hero. Then he's, you know, what a tactical genius. He's controlled, his game management is superb, is what every fan would have been saying. Um, So it just shows shows the very thin line um, and perhaps we need to all just take a wee step back and say, do you know what? We were in a cracking test match. We've lost by a point. Um, it was one of those losses we've talked about that we were right in the match. We probably should have won the match. We haven't. Let's see what we can learn from it. But ultimately, we're in a match with a decent side. Yeah. And we've been beaten by a moment of absolute genius. Yeah, and under red, and under red card, and that's and you know, and that's that's beating ourselves, but to a certain extent. But it's also the reason why I don't think we would. I don't personally don't think we'd lost that match if Sander Ferguson was on the. Do you know who called for the red card? 
It was the massive pluck on the side of Matt Carley's face. Oh, how bad was that? Oh, my I've only just God. seen it when I've watched the replay. I was like, Jesus Christ. Oh, it wasn't even a pluck. It was like, it was, you know, you know, like um, in Austin I Powers. Seen... <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely horrendous. <laughs> so, well, um, I don't know, John, you might not be old enough for this, but uh, Cammy, um, Nigel Kennedy in Spitting Image. Yes. <laughs> yes. Does he? Does he always have it? I don't want to like you know. I don't want to have to edit no, this out. No, no, no. no, no check. No, this isn't like some I, I sort think, of skin ab, some, oh, some no, skin ab, Christ, abnormality oh, that he's got. No, that you're. We're not body shaming. Now. I thought we were really woke as well. Now we're body shaming. Oh, hang on, I need to get the. I need to get this out, don't I? Go for it. The woke klaxon. It's your first woke klaxon. Welcome to the woke klaxon, Ian. Yeah. Oh, well, well, that's good. So long as it's just a spot and it wasn't like some sort of... I don't, I don't want it to be some, you know, something he's lived with all his life and we're, we're tearing him apart, but it was just a case that he needs to get some skin rub. I can recommend there's a really nice charcoal L'Oreal rub. Beautiful. Does the job. I reckon, I reckon Manscaped must do something for it. Maybe we'll... John, I think I've got the same one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come for the the rugby, stay for the skin care tips. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Moving on. Moving on, I. So, I mean, I guess that's the point, like you said, John, that's the positive, isn't it? That we were in the match, you know the red card doesn't get spotted. Zander, you know, is closer to the Rockets. I, I, I don't see it as that much of a positive because we've been in matches yeah, quite a lot over the last few years. So, I, I mean, right, call me a cynical, pessimistic, miserable swine all you want, or worse things, or we call far worse things. But again, this was just another case of, oh, for, we've screwed our own pooch a wee bit there. But, I mean, as a slight aside... And obviously, you know, we notice them more often than others. Is it just me or do we get on more, you know, you know, you, you, you'd hope to think that bad calls balance out. And particularly, you know, as somebody who supports a successful football team and that charge gets levied against them, it's like, oh, they get all the calls. Is it just me or does Scotland sometimes, do we not get, we don't get the rub of the green that often, do we? I can think of a few occasions, like when uh, the, the late law try against Samoa, which puts into the quarterfinals of the World Cup, he's slightly knocked on, but we already had penalty advantage by that point. Um, but, you know, was, was I think, it, I, I think you, you never, I think you never get the rub of the green when you're on the losing side. So it's, I don't know if it's the the question. <laughs> then is, are we on the losing side because we're not getting the rub of the green, or? Are we Schrodinger's Schrodinger's, Schrodinger's referees, isn't it? Do you know, oh. are we losing because we're not getting the rub of the green or we're is not that, getting the rub the of the green so losing? Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd read before, like, in terms of, again, thinking about it from a football perspective, they did say that the bigger teams do get more of the calls and it's purely because you're because you've got more of possession, more attack, more you know, you're you're in those positions to get those big calls more often. Uh, could it be argued uh, that in some cases Scotland? I mean, you wouldn't say that about the weekend, but 
<laughs> yeah, that's the title. Schrodinger's Rub. That's definitely the title of the podcast. Thank you, Alan McDonald, for that. Um, but yeah, you, you're right. It's it, you know, if you if you if you're spending an, more time defending, but that's not what Scotland did at the weekend, I guess, is it? But but if you've been careless with the ball and you're not adapting to what the referee's asking you to do, and you're not quite getting in the right positions, then you're not going to get the rub of it. If you're not doing what he's asking you to do, then it's he did hard. seem to fall out with Xander right away, though. Like, and Xander's lovely. Anyone who's met Xander knows he was he was a choir boy. He's lovely, such a nice guy. And Matt just he just didn't get he didn't click with him. I think they need to go for coffee when they can. John Harold Chipman was a doctor. Why yes? Why yes? He was. <laughs> Thank you for that. Sanders a choir boy. Harold Shipp was a doctor. (laughs) I mean, okay. I think we should clarify, right? (laughs) 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 I think I can't edit video. I can edit audio, but right. So you're not. Let's start the start before we get in trouble. Well, let's not draw comparisons between Sanders Ferguson and Harold Shipman, Ian. Well, let's not draw between comparison between choir boys and being innocent. I was just saying he's a nice guy. You said he was a choir boy. You said he was a choir boy. That's choir boyist. I think I said. <laughs> well, it's not. It's, it's not choir boyist if he's in favour of choir boys. I'm not saying. I'm not saying John's in favour of choir boys in that way either. Let's be there clear. were many more potential jokes that could have been used there by a lesser man than me. I said, Xander's a nice guy and he's a choir boy. I neither suggested or inferred anything by the fact he's a choir boy. I was merely suggesting that he was a choir boy. Yeah, man. If you, like, clearly, nice you've, not, you've not watched enough Netflix murder porn to know that, oh, he was just a nice guy. He kept himself <laughs> to himself. <laughs> Zero killer. We're all we know. We're all we know. <laughs> very, <laughs> very clear here, right? Disclaimer, Gabby, please. First of all, first of all we're not comparing Xander, Xander Ferguson to Harold, Harold Shipman. Xander Ferguson could be a second. Second, yeah. Xander Ferguson is not. A... <laughs> <laughs> right. <sighs> okay. So the last ten minutes have been uh, satire. I think that covers it <laughs> legally. They've been the biggest. They've been as big a joke as a disciplinary committee of the. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Ian. Well done. Nicely saved. Nicely saved. Oh my goodness, I'm actually crying. If anyone wants to sue us, uh, Xander's after suing us, then um, if, just just send us an email podcast at scottshrugbyblog.co.uk and I will send you Ian's address. Yeah. <laughs> slash, slash Ian here. <laughs> so, you think anyway. I know a good lawyer? <laughs> Let's move on. Um, I, I think that's all we're going to cut. We've been on for an hour now. Let's go and uh, let's go. Let's move on to something else. Should we do Lions chat? Shall we? I'm going to play a banner while we all can compo- play, play, play so, you know, while we compose ourselves. Slightly before, well, uh, okay, are, we go. do, are we going to do Fantasy League? 
I can't we'll do fancy league. league we'll do fancy league after after Lions chat. We'll do fancy league. Well, this is why I'm annoyed because Xander's cost. Xander, we'll get on the fancy league. All right, we'll get right. on. Do you want to link it to Xander? You're not going to. You, do you it, promise you won't slander him if I do the jingle? Yeah, it would, just be, <laughs> it would be a smoother segue. Right, let's go to the jingle. Fantasy league, fantasy league. We're gonna have a chat about a fantasy league, fantasy league, fantasy league. It's time to have a chat about a fantasy league. Yes, it's our fantasy league chat. Um, let's see in which new and in exciting ways Ian can slander Xander Ferguson now. Um, you can join our Super Brew Fantasy League. You go to the, the Twitter account, which is at Scott Rugby Blog, and the pinned tweet has got details of our Super Brew, um, our Super Brew League. If you want to join that, um, I was, I was in first position. Uh, I'm now in fifth, so I'm most upset with that. And that was um, that was down England letting me down because George Ford's not a kicker, and I hadn't realised that. Is that globally or just in the league? Globally, I don't think I haven't done it. I'm doing it in the whole of Scotland. I'm now down to 26. I was first globally, we found out last week. Which is champion, champion of the world. Champion, champion of the world, yeah. That didn't last very long. David, who was second last week, oh. has jumped, let frog me into first. Oh, we could. De- oh, here's another episode title Cammy, the champion of the world. Oh, that was last week, though. I'm not the champion of the world anyway anymore. Missed the, missed the trick there, guys. It's not until they, they've not updated the rankings until officially until tomorrow. Yeah. So I got yeah I got two hundred twenty four points last round and I got um one hundred fifty one this round. So yeah, um, but yeah, so I didn't do that well. So I was let down by George Ford not kicking. So I was let down by Owen Farrell really. Um, so, yeah. Ian, did you did did Xander let you down? Oh yes, he let me down as uh, uh, the worstest. Minus seven, wow. minus seven points. Um, I didn't have like whereas last week I'd um because I didn't pick as many Scotland players because I thought I think we'd win. Um, Xander was one of the few ones I put in, and uh, he he cost me dearly. Um, uh, making Johnny May captain, no, it burned my soul. I did the day. same. I did the same. That, same mistake. Um. I had Gary Ringrose and at 13, who only won four points, but uh, I think Planet Rugby put him in their team of the week. <laughs> he's in team of the week, surely he deserves one of four, but uh, yeah, it wasn't a great week for me. Uh, I mean, last week I scored well above average, but this week I only got one of 40. Um, whereas if I hadn't had Sandor, I think I would have been up at 154, something like that. I had yeah. on the bench. Um, globally, I'm now down 193 from number one. Oh, not bad. It's not bad. That was 16,000, so that's not bad. Sanders um, not me that much. I've started smoking on, on the podcast. I'd quit so, smoking years ago and I've started smoking again. <laughs> so he's driven you to. Um, so um, I don't know. I, can't, I don't know where you are on here then, Ian. Do you know where you are in our, in our fantasy league? Um, no, because the app is an absolute nightmare. Um, it is it's really hard to use. You have to kind of like go through with three different screens to find you. I'm not. I'm way down. Rory's in 86th position in our pool. Um, I don't know if I managed to change my team name this year. I'll see if I can find you. I'm, I'm way oh. down at 118 now, so it's not a good. It's not a good look. I, I haven't gone past you. Um, you're not even. In, you're not even in the top 100. I don't think Ian. So. Oh, good God. Oh wait, I'm 84th. 84th. There you go. So you're doing better than Rory. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, joint so joint eighty fourth with with Dolph. Uh, John, you've not got a team this year, have you? I, no, I I I gracefully undefeated slash completely defeated. So congratulations to David, who was in second place last week to me, even though it was his birthday. Uh, he is in first. Uh, we've got Al Taylor in second. Um, Fraser 78 third, Johnny in fourth, and then me in fifth down four places. A uh, friend of the podcast, Alan uh, McDonald, who's listening tonight, who's who's eleventh up eight places. So it's exciting. It's, it's going to be good. It's going to be good to see kind of how you. I mean, that's you had your 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 kind of moment now. Cam, I've peaked. I that's it. <laughs> I've absolutely it's, peaked. It's downhill from here for you. Although, how are we going to handle? the potential France situation with regards to the Fantasy League. I mean, like, all the uh, other things you, I said, it's most important. You, they've, they've picked their squads. Have they? There's, yeah. not, there's not a soul missing, oh, <laughs> basically. No. Uh, it's Fair full, full the Sevens team have got coronavirus as well. There's seven, coronavirus within the Sevens squad, and apparently they were training with the Fifteens squad a week ago, right. so there's going to be an investigation into what's happened. My understanding um, is the Six Nations haven't changed the rules of the competition, so there's no scope for it being abandoned and someone being given a bonus point win. So the game would just be postponed and played again at another date. I mean, if it so, was us, they would do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> stick a typhoon in there as well, coming our way. Um, so... Yes, so the, that game, if the games can't go ahead because people are shielding for coronavirus, then it potentially it gets postponed. But if France can field a COVID-free squad, then we end up playing a second string, is my guess. But Fab, Fabien Golf is is out, so he's he's isolating for ten days. So I think he'll be uh, Galtier. Galtier. He'll be out for ten days, so he there might be much prep. Unless he's Zoom, training on Zoom, someone like got a laptop. Sean Edwards running up and down with a Zoom call laptop up and in the field shouting at people. Fabian Galtier is the only man I think can pull off the uh, the suit and trainers combo. Yeah, he looks. I I am I'm a huge fan of suit and trainers. It is my go to look. I think I look like Doctor Who. <laughs> I once split a pair of trousers. I think I've told this story on the podcast before. I split a pair of suit trousers while I was, I was away for work. Uh, in a meeting, nobody noticed, and I went to TK Maxx and bought myself a pair of shorts because I needed yeah. some shorts for my holiday. Didn't need any trousers, and returned home in my suit, shoes, socks, denim shorts, <laughs> white shirt, and uh, a brown suit jacket with Legend. my broken trousers stuffed in my my briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> Got quite the looks on the trains from all the ladies. Uh, looks of concern, I should add. <laughs> Can you got some gaffer tape? Fix those trousers right up. My wife, my wife was like, "Why didn't you buy yourself a pair of sandals? It probably would look alright." I said, like, "Well, I didn't need sandals. <laughs> I need I shorts." I know exactly. I went to TK Maxx. I thought, "What do I need? I need some shorts for my holiday." Some Could have bought shorts. some jeans. Didn't need jeans. Needed shorts. Those shorts lasted me a good few years as well. So it was a good, happy day out altogether. Um, anyway. That's Fantasy League, so get involved with that. Let's go and do we'll do a bit of this now. It's the legally mandated lions chat. The legally mandated lions chat. We've heard so much about it that it makes us sick. But we've still got a chat about who Gatlin's gonna pick. Yeah, we haven't done legally mandated lions chat yet. 
this year. So, um, for those on the audio podcast, a little uh, a couple of pictures of uh, some famous judges and uh, Warren Gatland. Um, so we, um, yeah, the first thing to say is that the latest Lions news is it's probably going to happen in Australia after all, because <laughs> they've realised that it can't happen any other time, and Australia is the only COVID place, free place where you're likely to get fans turned up in a stadium. Except the Australian Open has had complete and utter carnage trying to do that, because apparently they didn't really think about inviting 30,000 people to a stadium every day. Uh, they didn't think that would cause a lockdown in Melbourne. <laughs> so, <laughs> she yeah. had a mad woman swearing at Rafa Nadal. I did not know. No, no. Uh, she was heckling him and then she started like, flipping him the board and she was... Uh, oh, wow. Rafa's really nice as well. I don't I don't know if he's a choir boy, but mm. he's really nice as well. Yeah, someone's a brood dog says um, Dubai is being looked at as an option for the Lions too, but let's... Uh, no. No, no if that, I think that's that would be it for me. <laughs> you bring the dollar. Yeah. First you take your sevens, then you take the lions. lions yeah, I can see. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do worry about thirty plus players being forty squad being holed up in a ho- rugby players being holed up in a hotel for two weeks and not having anybody sent home because they've had a maid in their room for. Longer than they should do. He's going to get a comfy seat. I was going to say he's going to like all. You, you remember in no, the dark he, when the I'm Joker get, like video to cam and he's like all being <laughs> right now. He's going to get a tour of Ian's house at the minute. Oh, so I hope oh, he's not taking us to the toilet. Anyway, uh, the, uh, not this time. No, <laughs> he's just got the fridge. <laughs> so um, I think we've got. Um, just in case I miss anything. That's fine. Um, do I think that in terms of where Scotland are at the minute then, John, I think you've got, even after the weekend, I'm still reasonably confident of a decent showing for the Lions. You've got Chris Harris, I think, for one, had an absolutely stormer of a game in attack and defence. Yep. You're probably looking at Duhan on the on the plane, Finn Russell, Ali Price. You could, you know, the, the Mish, Johnny Gray, I mean, even Scott Cummins is an outside bet. There's quite a few names you could name and think that, you know, we at this stage we should expect to have a few names. Yeah, I, th- I think um, I think looking across, uh, particularly when you start to compare to the other the other nations, there is quite a few like very very heavy potentials now. Even thinking about guys guys like you know obviously get sent off, but even thinking about Xander um, compared to the other the other options at prop, I think he does offer something. You're absolutely right. The second rows, um, Johnny Gray should be like he should be piloting the plane. Uh, at this rate. Um, Cummings, Cummings is another option. The Mish should be there. Uh, Matt Fagerson might even be a bit of a bolter. Um, again, you would maybe the only concern you would have there is maybe the way Gatlin wants to play. Um, I've said before, Fagerson's kind of that that halfway point between your kind of flare eight and your your brute eight, and Gatlin very much favours the brute. Um, so maybe not price price. All the scrum halves are rubbish just now, so price has got an option. I, think. I, I mean, I think I think I was saying on the Rock and Roll podcast for me, Ali Price is playing really well at the minute. I know he maybe made the wrong choice towards the end of the game, but I think he's as good as Anton Dupont, 
the reason why Anton Dupont is getting all that, Ian looks shocked here and he's going to come at me, but there's a reason for this. I think the reason why Anton Dupont looks so good is because he does the YouTube highlight breaks and offloads. But I don't think Ali Price is being asked to play that game by Gregor Townsend. He had a couple of snipes at the weekend, but I don't think that's what he's being asked to do. And what he's been asked to do is deliver the ball cleanly from the base of the ruck and kick. Ian, you're about to disagree with me and say that I'm mad. Well, no, um, well, Ali Price, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan, um, especially you know, when he broke through Glasgow Warriors. He started off his fourth choice scrum half, then you know, he was just this whirling dervish who was capable of playing a high pace game and also game management, <laughs> but very, very quickly learned to do it. Dupont is a. I mean, I don't even think we can give the excuse that, all right, fair enough, he's playing behind a, a better pack than us. <coughs> um, but he just has such a, a different variation in his game. Um, he can do the little chip kicks. We've seen Ali Price do that as well, but Dupont's more likely to do that. I think he's more capable of finding he's a better sniper. Uh, and not only that, he's a better offloader. Um, I mean, Price is excellent. I'm not slating it. Like, especially after uh, you know, his little well, the horror show at the Millennium Stadium, which mm. took him quite some time to recover from, because he was pretty poor for Glasgow for a while as well, but now he seems to be back in uh, back into near top form. And he is a little bit slower than he used to be, or just more composed, shall we say. Yeah. Um, but no, Dupont is the best in the world. He's best scrum half in the world. Even Aaron Smith's been saying it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of of the Lions options, I'd say Price. And there's no reason why Ali Price could not make the Lions. Um, Conor Murray's past, as far as I'm concerned. Ben Young's never really had it, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, He's played of the tournament last year, was he not? Why? Um, he does his, it's, it's easy for him because he's got a beast of a pack. You know, when the pack's not working. He's not working. I don't never seen the big thing with Youngs. Again, he's also too old. Wales don't seem to know who their first choice scrum half is. Uh, is it Thomas Williams? Probably uh, probably should be Thomas Williams. Um, Gareth Davis is pretty good. And also they just flat out re- refused to pick Reece Webb, even though he came back to Wales. Just <laughs> um, the other options, like uh, like Ireland's, uh, James Gibson Park, I don't see it. Why the hell is Cooney not playing? Um, so, yeah, I, I think Price is definitely definite chance to be on the plane, but yeah. uh, to compare him to to see he could be better than Pont is, uh, I, I think that you're you're on absolute bobbins there. Cam. All right, okay, that's fine. Um, Martin Bell says Chris Harris Lions bolter discuss. I don't think yeah. he's even a bolter. I think he's just. No. I think he's probably nailed on at the minute. I would say he's probably one of the the, the best play form wise. Is is probably the most all all round thirteen he's... of the of the nations. He's like a JD2. I call it. If we're talking about Gatland, he is very much like JD2 because yep. he's special. He is defence. Um, and, you know, we've seen him, like, club level especially, have a couple of good runs. Uh, and against Wales, I thought that's what he's probably his best attacking game. And I've talked yep. for ages now, so, John, please stop me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I suppose I'm better then. No. Um, I, I think Harris has a massive shot at getting on the plane and I think it ultimately will come down to whether that very man you've just mentioned JD2 is able to get fit and 
Um, if he's able to get fit and show any sort of game time, I think he'll go instead of Harris, purely as a Gatlin pick. Now, I don't know the situation with, with Jonathan Davis at the moment. I, I know he's, he's, he's injured, but I don't know how long he's out for. Um, but I certainly can. I could say that, you know, I think Harris probably should be should be picked. And you're absolutely right. He is, he's, a, he's a right fit for a Gatlin-style game. The, the, the yeah. last shout from Martin Bell is kind of amazing to hear chat of George Turner being a potential lion. But if you look at how he's playing compared to the other hookers that are up there, that it's not a mad, it's not a mad shout. He didn't, like you said, Johnny, he didn't have the greatest line out game this weekend, but around the park, he was, you can't really fault him for his yeah. kind of playing loose in the scrum was fine. He was probably closer, so he was probably closer to what his line out averages usually are. Um, actually, uh, which was the concern we all had coming into the tournament, but he gave everything around the park again. Um, what what we lose in set piece, you make up for a hundred times over with his work around the park. You compare him to some someone the guy I always look at. Compare him to Jimmy George, for example, who like just doesn't look. I mean, he looks like an English hooker in that he is huge, you know, hits his set piece well, but doesn't do much. Stop snickering. He's thinking about the, I think I think Ian's thinking about what the monster physio called him. No, no, uh, no, I was going to say he looks like a blues brother. <laughs> Fair enough. He's like John Belushi in a rugby shirt. <laughs> Anywho, um, you compare compare the way that George Turner gets about the park to someone like Jamie George, and it's just it's night and day. And I think Jamie George, uh, Jamie George will probably be one of the first picks for that shirt. And I don't understand it because he is clearly not in any shape to be playing rugby just now. And with that in mind, I think maybe t- Turner does have a shout. Does have a yeah. shot. Um, the last one before we move on to hands in the we've got Dougie Lewis's Hog for Lions captain and a few people have been talking about this just because I think he's the uh, he's the kind of captain the, the kind of the, the nation captain that's probably the most informed in their position at the minute I think Gatland will go with a forward for a South to play South Africa personally I think we saw at the weekend with Matt Carley insisting on speaking to Stuart Hogg for every decision you can't have a fullback at captain in those circumstances. It's fine when you've got a referee who's willing to say, okay, I'll speak to the vice captain so that you don't have to run the entire length of the pitch to tell me what your decision is. But Matt Carley clearly was going to insist all game on speaking to Stuart Hogg for any decision and expose the stupidness of having a fullback as captain. Sorry, Johnny McGinty, I know that's going to upset you. But... There was a point where Finn Russell was telling them to hurry up because you, you know, they, they need, Finn Russell wanted to call for the the kick at the post, I think, and hey. Matt Carley wouldn't 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 let yeah, him do it until Stuart Hogg had confirmed. Yeah, Finn pointed and said, and, and and he kept going, "No, what's the decision?" And Finn's like, "I'm going for the posts." No, I want the captain. And Hogg had to come all the way over to go, yeah, posts. Whereas other 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 referees have been fine with just letting. You know, the, the, whoever the vice captain is, make the call when Stuart Hogg's not close. Awesome. Yeah, that's just that's just Matt Carley being a bit of a. You can't person. you can't discount the fact that a referee's going to do that and be a bit awkward, just to kind of make it all about them. 
But in which case, I was the captain. I would take as, especially if you're on a winning just if you're in a winning position, you would just take as long as possible to walk up, wouldn't you? You, like, you would do. I think that I think the flip side of it, it comes back to my view that I've got no problem at all with Stuart Hogg being captain. But I think you need a match captain, a spokesperson. Yeah, sort of thing. yeah. If he's going to insist on speaking to whoever's named captain, you say, "Well, that's fine." Stuart Hogg's the the captain of the squad. He's the guy that actually ultimately makes the buck stops with him. He's in charge of the squad. But the match captain on the day, the guy is going to speak to the referee, and that's all his job is going to be. You speak to Jamie Ritchie, or you speak to uh, Johnny. Even Johnny, both Johnny Gray will talk to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. To be made for like so thinking about I, I don't know I seem to be in some sort of like let's modernise the game a wee bit. Um, is there an argument to be made for because obviously you know back backs and forwards their roles are quite different sometimes and you know to speak to Stuart Hogg about um, the potential infringements at a scrum or you know saying to saying to Stuart Hogg. One, you know, the next man to bring down a mall goes and things. Well, that's pretty clear, but the technicalities of it is—it's impossible to get that across to a person who stands at the back of the field and has no idea whatsoever what's going on in the middle of those things. Is there an argument to be made that teams should be able to name a forwards and backs captain? I don't—I don't think so because I mean, the, if you listen to what referees do, they're more generally more than happy to to have conversations with with the forwards during it and tell them what they're they're seeing. Man, I've seen I've seen Hamish Watson I've seen Hamish Watson walk off the pitch having a chat to a referee at half time, obviously just asking for his interpretation of, of what he's doing. And if there is constant infringements, then all the referee does is says there's too many infringements, go and have a word and then ushers them away. And you see someone walking past you see the captain then walking past shrugging at everybody and just kind of saying, Don't do it again. I don't know what he wants. I don't know what it's from us, but don't do it again. So all they get told is go and have a word, stop infringing. That's the message. It's never that technical, the advice give, that they yeah. give. So, yeah. So we then have to ask why was Richie Vernon never Scotland captain? Well, there you go. Well, you know you know my views on this, Ian. Richie Vernon should have been a lot of things. <laughs> Right, uh, let's move on. We're, we're getting we're, we're getting up to the hour and a half mark, so let's move on and do this. Yeah, hands in the rock time. It's our any other business section of the podcast. My hands in the rock is BT, who will not upgrade me, even though I'm entitled to a faster broadband connection. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we're going a bit glitchy tonight. Um, well, I mean, you, you could have some serious words. We're a Scottish rugby podcast here, and we are trying our best to put our f- best foot forward for Scottish rugby. And BT... You sponsor I, them. Come on. I, I can't do that with 10 megabits per second upload speeds. Sort it. Other broadband providers are available. Yeah. John, what's had its hands in your ruck? Um, just uh, just the general fallout from from the weekend. The the general like I so some of you may well know I have taken a back step from a certain 
well-populated rugby forum uh, on, on Facebook. I took a bit of a step away from it. And for my sins, I... You left this idiot in charge. Left the <laughs> For my sins, yes. Uh, no, I, t- I, t- I took a step away and I've, I dipped my toe in at, at the weekend just to sample the, the kind of general mood of Scottish rugby fans. And it was like I'd never been away. They continued to... Oh, we're, we're just so moany. Like, I know I'm moaning about being moany, but why? Oh, we've got professional sport on. We've got a cracking test match. Yes, we've lost it by a point. There's been decisions against us. Yeah, 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 yeah. We should have won the game, blah, blah, blah. Why are people so, like, incredulous about this? It is just a game. Chill. It's fine. I think the the main thing for me was that seeing people still tagging players. Yes. People sending messages to Xander Ferguson. And then complaining that they're blocked. It's like Christ, you know. I don't. I don't mind people, you know, tweet tweeting and mentioning a player's name. That's just fair criticism. It's you know that's what social media is there for to have a chat with your mates about what's happened. And we're not in pubs at the minute, so we can't have those discussions. So it's fine to be critical of a player on social media, but you don't directly target that at them by you know tagging them in it and directing it directly at them. So. That yeah. that was upsetting, particularly from one very prominent, quite prominent kind of Twitter account started doing it as well over the weekend, which was kind of I ended up blocking them because I thought I'm not. We're in such a privileged position in rugby that we still have uh, quite a close relationship with the players. You know, all, all three of us have, you know, have been involved in situations where we've met players, we've spoken directly to players, um, you're able to interact with players online quite easily unlike football and it's things like that that are just going to move us closer to that that situation where we're not going to have access to players because they're going to have social media accounts managed because do you know what Xander Ferguson knows fine well having just been sent off in an international rugby match he knows that that's a bit disappointing he doesn't need thousands of armchair supporters standing up and, and tagging him on Twitter it's nonsense so um, all that does is, you know, we've, we've talked about mental health on here. We're in hands in the ruck. We don't need a klaxon. Yay! Walk <laughs> down. <laughs> we've spoken about mental health on here so much. So much of what's happening out there just now is, is so difficult for everyone. And adding to that with tagging people in criticism is just utterly ridiculous. And people should take a look at themselves. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's a fair comment. Ian, what's had its hands in your ruck before I move to some from our super secret Facebook group? Okay, um, so hands in my ruck is, again, unfortunately, it's surrounding the Xander Fakers incident, but it's more about how people respond to some of the queries about it. So I've seen quite frequently people going, right, hang on, as we've done, discussing it, saying, should it be a red card? Should it have been a red card? Um but what really grinds my gears is when people, if the question goes out, posed as such, people are going to go, well, the ref- referee said it was a red card, so it's a red card. So like, respect the referee. Right, fine. We, we do respect the referees, but we doesn't mean you, you're not allowed to question it. And particularly if the question is posed as, 
Should it have been a red card? Well, the referee said so. That's the way it is. Doesn't mean people can be wrong, you know. As I've as I've already slanderously made allegations to about people doing the wrong thing in their jobs. Um, <laughs> no, that wasn't slander because we know that Harvishup were murdered people. <laughs> um, right? Don't you, you're you're avoid if you people come in and say that think it's like some kind of mic drop moment. No, it's not. What mm. you're doing is you're failing to engage the question. You are sitting there like that smug kind of, well, this is the rugby ways kind of guy, right? Quit it. Offer your opinion. Because someone says, I don't think it was, then you say why it was, and you confirm that. You look at the rules. I've got the you know, the um, disciplinary framework here about mitigation. I've got it on a tab sitting in front of me. We all know the rules and regulations. Are these people who are giving it all the rugby laws chat? They're the ones who have never complained about a single refereeing decision. Are they trying honestly trying to tell us that? I think the other thing is well, the, when you when you dig underneath, and there's been a lot of this today, is that a lot of them have never read the laws. And even I'm not saying I don't know them off the top of my head. And I think anybody who claims to even referees are probably a mad or a liar. But yeah. the you know. I, it was. It's interesting sometimes to go and visit them and just kind of remind yourself of exactly what they do see and say in certain circumstances, and you have a much better discussion when you're open minded. I mean, I went into it going, actually, I think you know, I, I thought yesterday I was thinking, I think two two weeks is the low entry. I said, oh, maybe they'll get low entry until somebody said actually head contacts always mid entry, and I hadn't realised that. And you know, you go off and you really go, actually, no, it is. And you know, we we get things wrong, we learn. We're you know, it's the, rugby's not an easy sport in terms of its laws and they change so often it's quite hard to actually track down a lot of the time the most up to you know the world rugby have published the laws but the disciplinary stuff that sits underneath that it's actually quite hard to find that so like you said Ian someone come along and going that's just the law and that's the way the referees read it they're not engaging in the discourse and actually probably they don't really they wouldn't really understand it anyway I think conversely the one that the other thing that annoys me is people who just go, that was never a red. That was a yellow all day long. And it's like, well, why? Why do you think that? Go on, you know, let's let's have a discussion about it. What what's the what is the the bit in the law you're going to point to now that says why that the referee should have done it, other than the you know, the the the, the TMO saying that there might be mitigation here. That that's you know, actually to dig dig below that and say, well, why why is it that you think the referee got it wrong. I think going... there's, a, there's, there's also the sort of follow-on point from that, and I know Alan uh, McDonald touched on it earlier on, but see if you're sitting there, right, so we're all, as Scotland fans, we're all wanting Scotland to do well, and, you know, we have our club sides and we want them to do well as well, and, yeah, we can sometimes be a bit one-sided when we want decisions to go our way. But see if you're genuinely sitting there and if you're able to put yourself outside that and say, do you know what, right, Xander Fagerson gets sent off, right? If that was Ellis Genge against Scotland, how many of us would genuinely be sitting there saying that's not a red card? If it was Ty Furlong in Ireland, 100% you would be sitting there going, that's a red card. That's got to be red. He's got to go. Ian, you, you, you are maybe a breed of rugby fan who is much more clever than than the vast majority of us in this instance. But you would be calling for red. I was doing that watch along with a couple of Welsh guys, right? 
Uh, so it was me, uh, Brandon Smith, I can't remember the other boy's name off the top of my head, and Joe Shepard from um, Three Balls and Pod. And we were watching that, and it was only Joe that said it was, he's like, ah, it's got to be a red. I'm like, ah, man, I'm like, it's, it's borderline. I admitted, like, obviously I'm biased. I was like, I say it's a yellow because he's only just clipped his chin. It's only just because of the movement at the end. The two Welsh guys didn't think it was a red. They said that's a yellow. Uh, I think this is the most, and this is the, the thing, if you if you have a conversation during a match or even before or after a match with other fans, most of the discussion is like that. It, it is much more balanced and more nuanced. Why, you know, actually, I can understand why you would think that. It's the kind of, like you said, John, it's the overreaction at the end of a game and the entrenched positioning. We were, we you know, we were robbed, and it's ridiculous. Yep. And the team are absolutely shocking. Most converse, most reasonable conversations that actually take place are more along the one that. And I, I watched the bit back in because I was, you know, um, that bit where you were talking about the card. And so I caught that bit, and that that's that reminds me of the discussions I will have down the pub with my mates if I'm watching England Scotland. You know, it's much more reasonable. You have the bit, bit of teasing them back and forth, but it's much more reasoned discussion than it's screaming at each other, saying it was red, it was never red, it was yellow, it was never yellow. That's not that, that, like Johnson is not productive. It's not really a way to have a conversation about anything, is it? So, I mean, one of the things I think John might have been referring to on the old uh, Scottish Rugby Forum, there was somebody who posted Xander Fagerson should never play for Scotland again because of that. Right now, remember Stuart Hall getting sent off for years? Was it 2013 or 14? 14, yeah, yeah, against Wales. Right, so imagine Stuart Hogg never played for Scotland again. <laughs> right. I mean, it's nonsense. I mean, you know, to say just because somebody's had a wee brush of blood to the head, it's not like he's like, like ground and pound, like jumped on his chest and ground and pounded him and made a complete, you know, completely brought Scottish rugby out of disrepute. It was a slight aberration of judgment. You know, we felt that he's going to feel it now by missing the next four games. Um, but they say he should never play for Scotland again. You know, for a 22-year-old man to make a mistake on a pitch, grow up. You know, you, I mean, the, the person that posted that is obviously a lot, a lot older, or at least looks older. There's people with a Stuart Hogg one that we are saying that though. That's 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 the thing. We are six, seven years down the line, and fans still think it's acceptable to call out these mistakes and say, Do you know what, that man should never represent his country again. Stuart Hogg, in, in that instance, made an absolute error of judgment. And we talked about off-field mitigation um previously, and I was going to make the point earlier on. In any other occupation, if you're in a disciplinary proceeding, off-field, off-site mitigation would come into it. So it should definitely be part of our, our reasoning, even though I hate Peter Mahoney with a passion and want him to be banned forever, it should come into it. Um, and fans saying stuff like that is just... It's, it's just brave. I wonder, I wonder, and this isn't me being ageist, but I wonder if there is a certain age profile of people who have because i think that the, the, you know there was a period a few years ago where everybody was at it everyone was tagging players into abuse and nobody really kind of understood the full f- implications of social media use yeah. so i think that there is a, a generation that's gone through those early days of social media and understood how things work and how to behave 
I think there's an older generation who've come to social media much later who, you know, will express opinions without necessarily kind of one realizing that humor doesn't really come through, that you have to have a different take, you have to put humor in a different term to the way you would do it to somebody sat next year because it does the tone of voice doesn't come across. That you can't say the extreme things that you would say to somebody next year in your front room watching it with you. Because you know, saying, oh, I should never play for Scotland again might be something you would say out loud at the end of a game when you're feeling frustrated, but it shouldn't be something that you sit down and type out, spend the time typing out on the internet. So I do wonder whether or not there's an age profile now to this kind of stuff, that it's just that an older generation of people that haven't gone through the initial, this isn't how we how things work on social media, and it's just something we need to get through by banning people and taking the computers away. I think in particular, like when you see abuse being sent to players, if you're going to separate between older generations and younger generations, you're going to see a massive difference in the way they spell stuff. Because yes. the older generations are going to be much more graphic and spelt properly. The younger ones, you like probably need to know young people hieroglyphics. You know. Young people chat. Yeah, I was like, yeah. what does this emoji mean? Why is there an aubergine and a splash of water? What does this to suggest? <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. the emojis you can pick, Ian, hey. This, guy, this guy's calling me an aubergine splash of water. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> After it. <laughs> well, that's what Joe Marler says to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what he says to me. I, I've got a t-shirt with that on the back now. And you didn't even uh, no. tackle uh, exactly. Uh, Ryan Wally says, uh, Twitter can be a huge cesspit when incidents like this happen. It just gets worse, and it does. Yeah. Um, like Ryan's and, profile image there. It's, uh, it's Willis Halahola. Oh, I thought it was... Oh, yeah, sorry, I didn't see the... Because it was further away. Because uh, we've been talking about to, uh, to, to Lupe Falato, and you said that... Uh, what, was it John that said Gatlin prefers a bruising number eight? Falato's mm. not a bruiser. Falato's a bit slick. Ah, Alan McDonald says uh, from the forum ignorant, ignorance is not an age related image and then Ryan's apologised for the image of uh, Willis Hallaholo I did I did, you know I, I think if, if anything what we did is we, we stuck one to the Welsh racists by letting Wales win at the weekend and making Willis Hallaholo <laughs> look good that's all we do it's public, ser- public service for Wales and the anti-Wayne Peabat crowd yeah that's all we did. We were just it, we're playing the long game. We're trying to make you stick yeah. with Wayne Pivak when you really shouldn't. <laughs> Woke Scotland. <laughs> and that's a beautiful positive to end on, Cam, surely. Well, I've got my hands yeah. in the ruck and then we've got a nice positive. I've got a positive one I've chosen for everyone's everyone's hands in the ruck on the foot on the we super secret uh, social media group we've got was was the red card and variations on the red card, and we've covered most of them tonight already. But um mine was Hamish Watson, not him specifically. But more the backlash to him saying that he disagreed with the uh, red card, and you know he spoke very passionately about it. He said that's not rugby, and I don't agree with anything he said. I'll be very clear. I don't you know. He said that's not rugby. We've gathered round Xander, and it shouldn't have been a red card. And I don't know what's going on. And you know, there were people, Welsh people, I should point out, mainly calling for him to be banned from rugby for saying that, and people saying I can't. He shouldn't have spoken out like that. And I think. If it's a dangerous road to go down, right? Because if we start picking players up on things they say in a moment of passion after the game, 
then all we're going to get is the same bland, old, tired, the boy's done good, and we'll learn from this. And it's, you know, you might as well just get the SIU to stick out a press release with a pre prepared quote from Gregor Townsend at the end of the game and not even bother sending people to cover it. It's what we get. It's just all the same. All we'll yeah. learn from us. It's the reason we don't. It's the reason we don't uh, feature player interviews on this podcast. If I'm honest, we could pursue them if we wanted to, um, and we could try and get them. But I, I don't. I don't think we get anything different out of them that you would hear in a hundred other different media outlets. I think the players relax a little bit when they're being interviewed by their friends. So there's plenty of podcasts that can provide you that. I don't. I think what we would get is the same old media lines, and it doesn't really add anything. If not even less. Given, yeah. you know, even, even so it's a, you know, obviously we get the opportunity to interview someone like Dan Leo and, and other people. It's a bit different, but, you know, players, it's just, and that's, I think that's the thing, you know, it's great to see somebody like Hamish Watson speaking passionately after a game, even if, even what he said was wrong and he's since, since retracted it, but we can't start kind of condemning people for, for it. It's just, you know. The fact that he then sort of owned up to it and went, you know what? That was said in the heat of the moment. I'm sorry. That was that was that was Nico. That's fair play, but I kind of I don't even see the point. I don't even see why he should have to, you know, so quickly. He's always been told to put that tweet out apologizing, but I just you said player safety is very important. No, no, no. It's like aye, but we all we all knew where you were speaking in the heat of the moment. It's a bit it's a massive overreaction. That isn't it. I think I think it does show the kind of the precarious nature of the the social media age that we're in, and you know you could relate it back to the what we call it knee gate. Let's I think I think knee gate's fine. Um, you know he's he's had to put that tweet out purely because the SRU don't want to be implicated in any situation whereby you know it's it's brand management essentially. It's like we need to be seen to be supporting player welfare at all levels because that's the that's the current vogue, that's the current, you know, message and rightly so. Um anything that goes against that we can't be possibly seen to have it. And right, as you say, that then takes us into a place where you're just gonna get bland, stage managed, press managed nonsense coming out all the time when actually Again, we're in a privileged position to have individuals who are real people who give their real emotions. And that's what's interesting. That's what brings fans in. It's not the press managed nonsense. We don't want to hear that necessarily. Yeah. See, I don't want to see. I think that Watson's apology was honest, whereas, like, you look at, say, uh, when Keith Earls apologised to Fraser Brown for dropping <laughs> and then talking crap about him. That apology. was so stage managed. That was like, this is just something going, here, read that, you little sad. Whereas Watson was like, oh, man, I'm like, sorry. Uh, and he, he released it through Twitter. It wasn't through the. No, it wasn't. That's fair enough. It was personally done through his own Twitter account. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to let that slide. And I'm just now waiting for World Rugby to pull him up and give him a two week ban. <laughs> yeah. It's not enough. Um, I'm going to end on a positive, though. So Shona Milligan on our on our super secret social media group that you can join if you uh, sign up to our Patreon. Uh, says her hands in the ruck. Um, I've really enjoyed the articles on the blog by Chris Murray. 
Even after the very uh, after the very worst games, I've always managed to find a tiny shred of light somewhere. After Saturday, that wasn't quite as difficult as it's sometimes been. At least now I know it's not just me. So yeah, Chris has done a very good article after the Wales game, and if you if you read it, it does. There's a lot of kind of balance in there. Um, I should also just say a quick shout out to Johnny Ball, who has signed up for the five pound Patreon. So thank you very much, Johnny. Welcome to the Doogie Donnelly Members Lounge. You're very welcome. If you pay five pounds or more, you will get your name read out on the podcast as well. So thank you very much to Johnny. Um, that's it from us for this week. Um, we are for Patreons. We're going to do Scotland's hardest player next week. We will do a very brief kind of half an hour on news and a bit of a France preview, probably Tuesday, Wednesday next week. And then we'll do, um, are we kind of, uh, Patreons only, only Finns podcast that we do after the team announcements, probably on Friday. Um, so we'll, um, we'll do that. So um, yes, in the meantime, that's goodbye from me and goodbye from John and Ian. Night, folks. Ciao.